We are putting together a water baptismal service. I've been talking to the Bible school students in year one uh, just two weeks ago, and uh, God just confirmed again this morning during the altar time. And so in the month of June, if you have recently asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, the Bible says to be baptized in water. And uh, we would love to talk to you more about that. Again, if Pastor Tom, would you stand up for a moment so everyone can have a look at you? There you go. And do a little twirl. Can you do a ballerina twirl? <laughs> if you would see Pastor Tom, we w would love to take your name down. If you have not been baptized as an adult in water, as in uh, full immersion, then we want to also encourage you to see Pastor Tom, and we will be setting a firm date for that water baptismal service. Awesome. Well, I am thrilled. I love this guy. He is not just a, a preacher. He's my friend. And uh, I'm a little bit fussy about my friends. And uh, he and Sid are just very, very good people. I love them. I respect them. I admire them, and that's why I give them such open platform when they come to this church. Would you please welcome Dr. Tom Renfro? Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank Amen. you. Thank you, T. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be home. Yes. It's good to be with God's children and my brothers and sisters. And it's good to celebrate this particular day, the Feast of the Lord, Pentecost Sunday. The day that the Holy Ghost came down from heaven. A power from heaven to empower us to bring to remembrance whatsoever he hath said. As Pastor Rob has told you previously, yes, I was diagnosed with cancer 24 years ago and given up to die. Medical science could do all that it could do. But medical science is limited. And I'm not against medical science. I'm a doctor. Amen. I see patients every day. And I prescribe what the Lord has blessed me with to prescribe to help them. And I urge you, take your medicines. They're a blessing that God has given you. They may not be perfect. But he did put some healing into those medicines. And when you take them, offer them up with thanksgiving. And say, oh God, I thank you for this. My grandparents would have loved to have had this. But you saved it for me. And Lord, I know you put some healing in it. And Lord, would you mind taking the healing out of there and put it in here? And while you're at it, could you anoint it and make it better than it's ever been? And Lord, just leave all the side effects out. And you pop them in your mouth and praising God at the same time. And it changes. It changes the equation. We put together a book here. It includes my healing, but even more importantly, it includes many things to give you understanding and equip you about sickness and disease and how to be a witness to somebody in your family, how to talk with them. Things to say to them. Things that you may not understand like where does sickness and disease come from? What's its purpose? You know, I'm not against science. 
But I am all for adding the power of God to what he's already given us to make us more than we are, the one plus one and three. But we've got this book available outside if you'd like to purchase it and think Lynn is going to be the one while we're praying for people in the altar. But I want you to be of good cheer and good courage. The Lord loves you. I've never healed one person, not one. As a physician, the only thing I do is diagnose and treat. But he is the healer. And he's the one that mends us and puts us back together. Praise God. Well, today on Pentecost, and I want to thank the Lord for all the blessings that he gives us and for his spirit that he has brought us and given us and equipped us with. You know, God started this whole place out with his spirit hovering over the face of the earth. And the earth at that time was absolutely perfect as creation unfolded. As the word came forth and met the spirit and something was created out of nothing. You know, I believe God does that today. When the word of God comes with the spirit of God and they coalesce and meet together, then something is made out of nothing. Healing out of sickness. Deliverance out of bondage. Salvation out of sin. And that's what happens when the Spirit and the Word of God come together. And God took and He spoke to men, the ten generations, all the way from Adam, all the way to Noah. And when He looked and saw how evil man's heart was, He decided, enough of this. And then after Noah and the flood, and ten generations later, He picked a man out, Abraham. And he spoke his word to him. And he had Abraham walk with him. And he talked with him. And Abraham did everything that the word of God said. Though he had nothing written. It was all the oral word of God. All the way through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All the 400 years that the, the, the children of Israel were in bondage. And then when they cried out. The Lord heard their cry, sent Moses down. And on that first Passover, as they walked through the blood of the innocent lamb, that's, we all, that's the way we all come into the promised land. Our first step is through the blood of the innocent lamb, of Jesus Christ. And they left the place of the world, the place of bondage. And they died literally like Jesus on the cross, they died unto the world, unto the world they knew, and they left it. They were buried in the Red Sea as they walked through the Red Sea. And when they emerged out on the other side, they were the first fruits of the children of Israel. And they were delivered, and they were set free. And there was no more bondage. Egypt couldn't hold them anymore. The world couldn't hold them. And for the next... Fifty days they walked in the desert until they came to Mount Sinai. And there on Mount Sinai was the first Pentecost. Fifty days after they left Egypt. Just like we celebrate 50 days after the Passover lamb of Jesus Christ laid his life down. And there, there was rumblings and there was a sound in heaven. And the Lord himself sat down on Mount Sinai, speaking with a powerful voice, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. 
Make no graven image. Don't take my name in vain. Remember to honor your father and mother. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. and Don't covet the Ten Commandments. And he added another 603. But it became the written word. First was the oral word. Then it became the written word. And they celebrated Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, all for thousands of years until the fullness of time came forth. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father. And we could touch Him. We could talk with Him. And He could explain the things to us, the mysteries of heaven and the mysteries now we still have the written word. But now 50 days after Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, 50 days later we come to what we're celebrating today, the day of Pentecost. And just like on the first Pentecost, there was a sound that came from heaven. As a mighty rushing wind. And he's now empowered us with the spirit. That was removed so to say. When Adam had sinned. But now we got the spirit of the living God. Living within us. To make us more than what we are. To bring to remembrance. Whatsoever he said. So that when we say the words of God. And when the spirit of God. Comes together with the words of God. Something is created out of nothing. And salvation and healing and deliverance and redemption comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pentecost, it's a time of signs. It's a time of wonders and it's a time of miracles. That we all can be walking in. And we should be walking in. Because as we sung today, I know who you say I am. And I am your child. But let's turn to a very familiar account in Matthew 14. And in verse, let's just start out in verse 22. To set the stage, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus Christ, Elizabeth's son had been beheaded. And Jesus had just heard about the beheading of John the Baptist. And in grief, he pulled away. And he wanted to spend some time with the Father. And there in the northern sea of Galilee where he heard this, he climbed into a boat. And he started sailing along that boat, along that shore. And the people could see him out in the boat, and they started following him. Finally, Jesus told the disciples, just pull ashore. And when he came in, there were already 5,000 people that had coalesced in the middle of nowhere to see this man, to hear this man, Jesus, the Son of God, 
Because no man had spoken words and no man had power like he had. And no man could heal like he could. And they came together and Jesus healed them and he spoke with them. And as evening came, the crowd was hungry. And that's where he took the two fishes and the five loaves of bread. And he allowed his disciples to participate in the miraculous. To break the bread and the fish to give to each one. And no matter how fast they broke it off, it would grow right back in their hand. I would try and give it out as fast as I could just to see what happened. But they couldn't give out as fast as God gave. That'll preach. And then Jesus told them and said, Now I want you to go to the other side. Now the other side is more than just the other side of the lake. Because the Sea of Galilee was a boundary line. On the eastern side was the Jewish side where Jesus was sent to. But on the other side was the Gentile side. And that explains the pigs. And what it was, he's saying, let's go on a missionary trip to the other side. And so as he said, you guys go on ahead. I'm going up here and finish what I came to do. To pray a little bit with my father. And as they went across, well, let's read about it in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it, thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come unto the ship, the wind ceased. I want you to picture yourself as one of the twelve that was in the boat that night. Starting out on a calm, glassy sea. And then suddenly finding themselves in a storm as it built up and built up and built up. I want you to understand that there was no lights. It was pitch dark. It was like being in a coal mine in the mountains of Virginia where I'm from. A darkness that's so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. As the clouds obscured the moon and the stars. And the wind was blowing. And they saw and they felt the waves. And they felt being pushed off course. As the wind was pushing them on that lake. Away from the destiny that Christ told them to go to. 
The only thing that they could see was occasionally when the light would flash, they could get a glimpse of the white caps that were out there on the lake that night. Occasionally, it would flash again. And they saw something out there in the midst of the darkness, just a flash, just for a moment, a few milliseconds. They didn't know what it was, but it kept getting closer. He kept getting closer. He kept getting closer until finally he was standing out in the lake as the lights were flashing. And they recognized him. Peter said, is that you, Lord? Bid me come. He came in the fourth watch. The fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And there's a lot of things happen in the Word of God in the fourth watch. In the latter part of the night. It was in the fourth watch that the children of Israel left and was delivered through the Red Sea. And at daybreak, they were already on the other side when Pharaoh was consumed. Jacob was visited by the angel in the fourth watch. Jesus was resurrected in the fourth watch between 3 and 6 a.m. Peter walking on the water now in the fourth watch. Miraculous things happen in the midst of the darkness. I know our pastor that Sid talks about, and I wish she was here today, and she apologizes, but she was just too tired. The ladies wore her out yesterday, not to mention the trip and the the two-hour trip down and back and the services that she's been in. But that's why I'm here today. And I apologize that she's not here. And she sends her love and she sends her spirit that she wishes she could have been here. But I believe her flesh got a little bit weak. But my pastor, her father, he would say on Sunday morning, the Lord woke me up this morning about 4 o'clock. I've been to the Lord's school. For some reason, the Lord wants to speak to people in the middle of the night to wake them up. So don't be surprised if you can't sleep past about 3 in the morning. Don't be surprised when the Lord starts speaking to you and showing you things and waking you up to be into His presence. I want you to picture this. That storm came up suddenly with no warning. And I know that Pastor Rob, because I listened to his broadcast, I listened on the internet as he preached about how the storm coalesces and why it does and the geography of all that. And the waves were literally filling the boat up. They were sinking. They were sinking. And here Jesus comes to them walking on the water as they cried out. And he says the strangest thing to them. Here these guys are dying. You talking about an emotional roller coaster? 
from feeding the 5,000 to singing as they went out on the boat that night, as they were asking John, hey, what about that, John? I couldn't believe it. They were rejoicing. And now, just a few hours later, their lives are in jeopardy. Up and down, up and down. And Jesus comes to them and says, be of good cheer. My pastor, when I was sick, he would always greet me with the words of God. He'd walk in when I'd be laying in the bed, eat up with cancer and tumors like you described. And the picture actually shows all that. He would look at me and say, Doctor, be of good cheer. And I thought the same thing. Man, what's wrong with you? I'm here fighting for my life. But now, in retrospect, I know what he means. He means the same thing that the Lord said to Joshua. Be of good courage. Be strong and of good courage, knowing who you are and who's able to take care of you. Be of good cheer. Be not afraid. It is I. And Peter, that man of faith and action, he looked out on the water and said, If that be you, Lord, bid me come. Bid me come. And I find it interesting. All the disciples heard the same invitation. All of them were in the same situation. But it was only one that was willing and so focused that he was willing to step out and leave the place where he was. Leave what security that he thought he had. And the boat was sinking. But yet they were holding on to something that wouldn't keep them afloat. Let me tell you, there are people today that are holding on to what they think is secure. But it's sinking out from under them. And they're not willing to let go of something that's failing to reach beyond themselves. To reach beyond themselves to Christ who won't let you fail. And Peter got out of the boat and he started doing something that no other man had ever been able to do. He started walking on the very thing that was trying to take him down. You know, when you keep your eyes on Christ, you can walk on the very thing that's trying to take you down. Whether it be cancer, whether it be problems in your work, whether it be problems in your family. Peter there, he leaves the place of where he's at to go to where Jesus is. And he does the impossible, he does the miraculous as long as he keeps his eyes on Christ. But the word said that he saw the wind was boisterous. It didn't say that he saw the waves. He saw the wind. Now how do you see wind? I can see the results of wind. 
I can see what the wind does to the trees and the leaves. I can see what the wind does to the water. But have you ever seen wind itself? It's invisible, Pastor. But the Word said he, he saw the wind and it was boisterous. Folks, I want you to understand at that moment in time, Peter was seeing more than natural things. He was seeing into the supernatural, the supernatural things that were coalescing together. And I want you to understand, he couldn't see the wind naturally. And there are forces out there today that are coalescing, that have been coming together perhaps for years, that are coming against you that you can't even see. They didn't see it that night when they got in the boat or they wouldn't have got in. But suddenly it was released upon them. And there are evil things. If you believe in the Spirit of God, there's also a spirit of evil. And just like the wind that was blowing that night, it was coming against the disciples. And it was pushing them off course. Anybody felt an evil presence trying to push you off course? Trying to push you this way. Trying to toss you about. Trying to inhibit from getting from where you want to go to inhibit you. And in the process, constantly trying to create fear. That's the wind of the devil. But Jesus came to him walking on the water. Now, personally, I think he was walking on the white caps. I think they were stepping stones for our Savior. As he walked, they would heap up for him to step on as he walked on that water. He was walking on a very familiar substance because water is the only substance common between earth in heaven, the only natural substance that is common between earth and heaven. Because God put a firmament in the midst of the waters and divided the waters from above, from the waters below. So at one time, there was a continuous flow, so to say, between earth and heaven. And of course, water also represents the Spirit of God, right? Water, that's a perfect example to explain the Trinity of God. When I come down here to Florida, I will stand there and I'll look out on the Gulf. And I look at the immensity of the water as far as I can see. Can't even comprehend the depth of what's out there. And that represents to me like God. You can't comprehend the totality of God. He's immense. He's everywhere. It's all there. It's beyond what you can comprehend. But yet I can take and scoop up a glass of that water. And I can freeze it. And just like Christ, I'll be able to hold it and to touch it and to give it to somebody else. But then above the water... 
there's that part, that water vapor that I can't see. And that's like the Holy Ghost. So the water is a good example to explain the Trinity. It exists in three forms at the same time. And God exists in three forms at the same time. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Water. Water represents life. It represents the Spirit of God. Don't you find it interesting that God likes to travel in water? Wasn't it a cloud that he came down in on Mount Sinai to give the Ten Commandments and the law of the land to Moses? Didn't he speak out of a cloud as Jesus was being baptized there in the Jordan River? This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Wasn't it in a cloud that Jesus lifted off planet earth and received into a cloud to go back to heaven? And isn't it a cloud that he's coming back one day in? You see, God likes to travel in water in a cloud because water represents his spirit, and without water there is no life. When you look at NASA trying to find planets that might sustain life, they're not looking for life itself. They're looking for evidence of because without water, don't you find it interesting that from the time of conception, one of the first organs formed as a baby is being formed in its womb is a little sack of fluid which the baby grows in completely surrounded by Maybe that's why when the Roman soldier there at the cross stuck his spear into the side of Christ after he gave up the ghost, what came out? Blood and water. What does that represent? The elements of birth. There was something being born that day. Did you know that there's no water in hell? And that defines actually what hell's like. Because the rich man, when he died, and he went to hell, and he said, oh, let me go tell my brothers not to come here. And he said, oh, let me just have one little drop of water on my tongue. Why? Because there's no life. There's no water in hell. It's a dry and barren place. No wonder Jesus could walk on the water. But let me tell you, there was a wind blowing that night that was contrary. And there's two kinds of wind. There is the wind or the breath of heaven from God. But then there's that counter, which is another wind which brings trouble and torment. Anybody had the storms of the wind blowing in your life, creating torment and trouble? Let's look at this in Ephesians 2 and 2. And let's see the origin of this wind, where it came from. Who is responsible for it? Ephesians, let's start in 2 and 1. And you who he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And in verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince 
of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. With the leaving, with Adam surrendering his dominion as we talked about, there was also the dominion of the air itself and the prince of the power of the air was stirring up trouble against God's children. Let me tell you, he does a lot of that. Stirring up trouble against God's children. And they were coalescing and coming together to blow against God's children. And it was a, a spirit constantly trying to disturb the peace. Just as he was disturbing the peace there on the Sea of Galilee. Stirring up trouble. Being boisterous. And Peter saw the wind. He saw literally, in my opinion, the spirit that was troubling the water. And Peter, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, as long as he heard, and when Jesus said, come out of that boat, he kept his eyes on Christ, and he got out of the boat. The other disciples didn't. They all had the same opportunity. But they didn't have eyes to see like Peter had. And Peter, in faith, literally stepped out on the Word. But it was his faith that called him. The Word created enough faith in him that he stepped out and did the miraculous. Can I tell you today that if you're not willing to leave the place that you think is secure you'll never be able to do the miraculous. You have to be willing in faith to step beyond what you think and what you see and what you understand in order to do and be a part of the miraculous of Christ. And Christ will stretch you. Thank God He's still making me. He's still stretching me and helping me. And sometimes, just like Peter you have to leave some people behind. You have to leave the evil influences that are trying to bring destruction into your life. The ones that are selling you drugs. The ones that's trying to get you hooked on pornography. The ones that are bringing you down. The ones that are not helping you and building you up. And sometimes you have to leave those places in order to do the miraculous. You have to leave others behind as you focus on the things of God. Sometimes people want to hold on to what they think will save them. But God is basically telling us, let go of some of the things that are failing you. Let go of some of the friends that are failing you. Let go of some of the situations that you can't do anything about that's only failing you. And come and walk towards me. Peter cried out as he got his eye on the wind. He suddenly started sinking in the very thing they had dominion over. And it wasn't until he cried out. Don't you find it interesting that Christ 
came there. He had already calmed one storm. He had already gotten a boat, fell asleep. A storm came up. They woke him up, and he calmed that storm. And all he had to do was get in the boat. But he stood afar off from the boat and was watching them. And he had all the power to stop it at that moment in time. But Peter, as he got his eyes off of that, started sinking down. And he cried out and said, Lord, save me. There is something that God likes about when people cry out to him. His ear is always on his children, but sometimes he's waiting to hear your cry. To let you know that you know that you're in trouble. And to let him know that he's the only one that can save you. Jesus didn't hesitate once the cry came out. And he reached down, I expect, with his right hand. The hand of authority. The hand of power. The hand of provision. The hand of strength. The hand that won't let you down. The right hand of heaven itself. And he pulled him up of the very thing that was drowning him. Consuming him. Let me tell you, he will do the same for us today when we cry out. He will lift us up out of financial problems. Out of sickness and disease. Out of the problems in our family. Out of the problems at work. He will lift us up. Because that's who our Savior is. He will save you out of the situation that the enemy has stirred up around you. He will rescue you and override that spirit of the prince of the air in order to lift you up. He lifted up Peter. <clears throat> he lifted up Peter. I find it interesting. Here Peter is crying out. Where were the disciples? His friends didn't save him. His friends didn't even try to save him. Let me tell you, some of your presumed friends won't even try to save you. But there is one that you can count on. There is one that won't let you down. There's one that will never leave or forsake you. And he will always be there to listen and to hear your cry. And he will reach down and pull you out of that thing. Here he pulled Peter up out of the storm that was raging. And they started walking together. I think on the white caps. And they started walking together to the boat. Let me tell you, a lot of times the storms won't stop even though he's lifted you up. They will still try to exert their dominance on you, but they'll have no effect on you. The storms may rage, the storms may howl, but now you've got one that's on your side that's pulling and you're walking together through the valley of the shadow of death. And you will fear no evil. He had no fear at that moment. The fear brought him down. But when he saw Jesus, the fear had to leave. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. And they climbed back into the boat. The storms raged. And finally, when they got back in, 
they climbed back in and the storms stopped. Because of Peter, 11 other men were saved that night. Because of your walk with Christ, even though, even though you may not realize it, but just your walk, because people are watching you. And you don't have to say a word. They're watching your life. Your family is watching how you deal with situations. They're watching how you deal with sickness and disease. They're watching how you're dealing with cancer. When I was eat up with cancer, there was a whole town, a whole city that was watching me. There were people probably taking bets on when I would die. Because at that time, our church was on our local television station. And every morning at 7 o'clock, they would run an hour service. And for that whole year, they knew I was going to church there. And they saw me as I walked into church. They saw me as I worshipped there. They saw as the tumors progressed. They saw as the disease got worse and worse. They saw as they helped me in. They saw the oxygen tanks. They saw the couches that they would lay me on. But they also saw the power of God deliver one man who would not let go. And the church wouldn't let me go. It was the power of God that delivered me. And the power of God will deliver you. Because people are watching you and it will change their lives and change their eternities. And you don't even know what's going on. You don't even know what's there. So your walk is important. Your walk is important in the kingdom of heaven and how you walk and who you walk with and what you say and what you do. Only Christ could save him. And only Christ can save me. I'd like for y'all to stand up today. And Pastor, we do need to have an altar service. Because I believe the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with people. Amen. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is asking you, are you tired of the situation that you're in right now? Are you willing to let go of what you think will help you? When you know deep down in your spirit and in your heart, this is not right. What I'm doing and where I'm going is not right. Are you tired of just trying to let the sickness and disease play out when you've got the supernatural power of God mm. that's willing to come in and to help you Amen. and to deliver you Thank and to you, heal Jesus. you? perhaps ministers here that are weary pastor there's saints of God that are here today Amen. that there's storms in their life and they're tired of rowing against Ooh. the storm yeah. they're trying to tired of trying to stay on course when it's constantly blowing them apart blowing them off course Amen. 
I tell you, there's one here that will cut the power of the prince of the power of the air. That will cut his power off. But today on Pentecost, the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with your heart. No matter what your situation. And we are here to pray with you. To agree with you. To declare things into your life. For the Spirit of God to change some things. In your family. In your health. In you. Who wants to do the miraculous? Amen. Who wants to participate with the king of the universe? Yes. To do what no man has done. Thank you, Jesus. Today, Lord, empower us with your power. Empower us, Lord, with your understanding. Empower us, Lord, and give us your words, Lord, that will connect with your spirit to create something out of nothing. Amen. Amen. As the worship team comes forward, I'm going to ask again for Pastor Jan, Pastor Tom, and Donna, and uh, Paul, and Beth. Uh, I believe Lynn has got something else to do. Would you guys come out the front? And uh, those of you who have to go, we respect that. Those of you who don't have to go, I encourage you to want to stay. The choice is yours. But blessed are they that hunger and thirst for the things of God. If we only ever hunger and thirst for natural things, our lives will always be ruled by the natural. But when we hunger and thirst for the greater things, our lives will be ruled by the greater one. Amen. So I understand some may have to go. And Father, we just pray your blessing on everyone. I pray that everyone will have an experience of Pentecost. That you, Holy Spirit, will rush upon them as they're driving to work, as they're sleeping in the fourth watch, <laughs> as they are here, as they are there. Let your blessing be on each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you who have to leave, uh, Dr. Tom's book is available in the foyer if you want to purchase one. Lynn will be taking care of that. If you do leave, please leave quietly. Those of you who want to stay in worship, we're going to worship, have an extended worship time. Those of you who want to come out the front and have ministry, come on down the front. And if you are worshiping, just worship and be a minister. Intercede from your seat. Amen. Amen. Why don't you start coming out the front, those of you who want to have ministry today. And those of you who need to leave, God bless you. Thank you for being here. God bless you. We'll see you again real soon.
Come on, come down, join us.